the key to grow the church, Catholic church included in this, is small groups. Mm-hmm. And we don't need small groups that are just one resort after, resource after another after another. Alpha is tremendous, tremendous, and other courses like that. But we can't depend upon other leaders to keep spoon-feeding us resources. Small group, it, listen, it just get the Bible open, love one another, read from the book, pray with one another, and watch it grow. Welcome to the Ron Huntley Leadership Podcast, helping leaders be a positive catalyst on the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are power for impact. Hello and welcome back. Do you know one of the problems I find we face as leaders in the church is we're so under-resourced. I see it, I hear it all the time, and I know that you feel the pain of the resources that you do not have. And oftentimes we look at others and go, holy cow, if I only had what they had, then I could make a difference. If you think like that, if you feel like that, I feel your pain. And we're going to break that problem open today, and we're going to see what God has to say about that, particularly through the lens of my good friend Mitch from Belfast. He's founded a ministry called Crown Jesus. He does all kinds of great work around the world with leaders and individuals. He's an evangelist at heart. Please welcome to the show. Thanks for being here, Mitch. Hey, Ron. Thanks so much for having us on. I loved the time when you came and visited us in, in Ireland. We went to watch an ice hockey game. Uh, we had food together. You hung out with our family. You prayed with us. And then we had a whole bunch of uh, Catholic leaders came to uh, the R building, and we helped signpost them towards a resource, I guess, Alpha. And um, good fun, you know, because because I got a little bit of stick from that because, you know, I kind of come from the Protestant tradition. Um, but for me, it's like growing a kingdom. So I really didn't care what people thought as long as, you know, the, the, let's keep the main thing the main thing. Let's keep introducing people to Jesus, making disciples, watching the ecclesia, the kingdom of God grow and flourish. And mm-hmm. instead of us all getting all compartmentalized, and he thinks that this and he thinks that. What does God think? That's what's God saying in a moment, you know? <laughs> Amen. Well, I'll tell you, it was it was really interesting for me too to because one of the things that we did when we had some time, you took me on a tour, and and my family, my grandfather is from from Belfast, and 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 we have relatives from there, and I'd never been, and and just to see the scars of the times of the the troubles and and you kind of gave me a history lesson it, it, through the tour and it, it actually literally left me physically ill like just this churning in my stomach i'd never seen division like coming from canada uh you know we have maybe some divisions but it's so minor compared to what what our what, what my grandparents would have lived during the time of persecution and stuff so i appreciated that and and i just love that that here we are from two different traditional backgrounds, but our love for Christ and and our our passion for mobilizing people is shared. And I just oh, think the world of you guys, man. Just, just oh, bless you. It's the best thing, you know. Uh, last week, Ron, we we have a gathering every every Thursday night. We've got a venue called uh, Hope Chapel Lane, and on Chapel Lane, uh, we gather for worship, word, and prayer. Last week, we had a guy Gary who uh, wrote a quite an infamous. Uh, song that was a sectarian song against Catholics. 
and he came to faith about 10 years ago and now he's he's singing Christian songs but we also had two girls there who come from the uh, the Falls Road which would be a notorious Catholic community they were both there and at the end the watch like Paula and Gary fellowship and pray with one another and you just go this this is what it's all about like what it's like we say love is the key Christ-centered love is the key not all kinds of love Christ-centered love is the key and it's just beautiful you see those things happen you go only God can do that the politicians can't do that they can't you know they can't bring together like whether it's a black white or whatever the issues are different countries in the world that, that's yeah. a kingdom perspective of um, mm. don't judge there was a lawyer asked Jesus a question I'm paraphrasing the question but he basically said what's the most important thing for me to do I mean, what a great question, Rod, for anyone who's watching today. If you've got to ask God one question, I, I can't think there's a better question to ask God than what's the most important thing for me to do. Mm. Like you could ask, is my, is my grandmother in heaven? Well, like that would be good. It would help you, but it wouldn't really help maybe a lot of people or a generation down the line. But what's the most important thing for me to do? And Jesus replied and said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is equal to it. It's like it, but better translation is equal to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he goes on with the questions, asked, who is my neighbor? And you get the story of the good Samaritan. But it's like, mm. if we just stop judging everything and just have that Jesus kingdom love, love God and love everybody mm. oh my goodness there's so much conflict that we don't need to go through if we just see it through the lens of jesus mm. mitch that was a that was an important scripture in my life it's neat that you bring that up and i almost forgot but but at one point i was really frustrated with that scripture because i remember one point in my early life i'm like god i can't see you i can't touch you i can't like i'm i was just so frustrated like i i i longed for god i longed for intimacy i longed to do the right thing but i just felt too thick like why don't i see it why don't i feel it why don't i taste it and i remember that scripture it's like i can't i don't know how to do the first part and so maybe i'll just focus on the second part and what i realized when i focused on the second part I experienced the first part. It's like yeah. I could action loving my neighbor. I could action being less judgmental and stop being such a jerk and so self-righteous. I could action those things. And lo and behold, as I actioned those things, I was seeing, feeling, hearing, and experiencing. Oh, I love that. I, I love that. It, it, uh, exactly. The kingdom is all around us. And St. Francis was was magnificent at that you know and one of the things that, that St. Francis said was um, the poor are sacramental like that gives me goosebumps so sacramental is that like God is present in it you know if we talk about you know the Lord's Supper or communion or, or uh, mass whatever you, you want to call it it's like we're saying it's sacramental God is somehow there's a mystery that goes on that God is present there in some some shape or form what St. Francis was saying was and you'll find the same when you minister to the poor and I remember some years ago being in um, in Romania in a children's hospital second floor when uh, the American nurse introduced me to a, a ward with one baby 
and a lemon baby grow in the cart with no toys, just a baby and a lemon baby grow. And they told me the baby had been found on a skip, like a rubbish dump. And under Romanian law back then, that they couldn't be adopt adopted or fostered for two years because the parents could come and claim them back. So they stay in the hospital for two years. So I said, what do you, what's the name? He said, I don't have a name yet, you know. And uh, I remember just holding the baby. And like, this is the time before I had kids. I didn't know how to hold a baby. Um, and, and I changed that diaper and stuff. And, and I remember holding the baby. And somehow, God was present in the baby ministering to me. And God was in me ministering to the baby. And I totally understood for the first time what St. Francis was talking about. The prayer of sacramental, you encounter God in those moments. Oh, that's beautiful. Lord, give me the grace to, to, and to hear your call to the poor and to have the courage to obey and to be present. Yeah. That's so awesome. Thank you for that. I love that. When I think about, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a really cool thing, and I'm gonna jump from that into another topic. <laughs> you could go, you can, go. You can judge this bridge here, right? So, so that that poverty. I, I remember years ago, uh, a priest saying to me, "Ron, you're going." He and he was in Africa for his whole. He's called a white priest. He was in Africa his entire vocation. He came back to Canada to retire. And he said, I saw more spirit, I see I experienced more spiritual poverty here in Canada than I experienced financial poverty or in Africa. And he said, You're being called to feed the feed the poor. Uh feed the poor in spirit. And I just I remember leaving because uh, I yeah. never met the guy. I, I just went to confession with him. And uh walked away going how does he know what i'm called to like how like it was just a really wow. prophetic moment and and i i left quite shaken in many ways but you know so many leaders in the church it's a tough time to lead but when wasn't it a tough time to lead it's always a tough time to lead if leadership was easy like everything would be successful like you know i one the sense i think let's stop our whining and complaining let's just recognize if god has called you to lead it's because he trusts you and it's flipping hard so pull up your yeah, socks and dig like, in man like this is exciting <laughs> stuff <laughs> so, someone once someone once said uh and i love that they said when god called you to lead he already factored in your stupidity <laughs> That's good. <laughs> oh, that, that's beautiful. That is really good. <laughs> and so I want to talk about this concept of being resource. And I just want to put it in some context for you too, coming from our Catholic context and the work that I do in 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 coaching with with diocese and and pastors and you know there's a lot of shrinking going on. Catholics have left the church like crazy. I know the fastest growing um, when it comes to religion, the fastest growing group is the nuns. That just people that just don't believe anymore. And for, wow. for Catholics, it's a lot of them have been baptized as infants. Just parents didn't go to church, never intended to go to church. They were baptized into a family they never wanted to belong to and knew they weren't going to come to. And I hear that everywhere around the world. And so we're just seeing people get further and further and further away from God. And so churches are closing. They're getting dilapidated. Giving is down. 
people feel under-resourced. I coach into countries that, you know, the joke is, you know, their staffing is uh, a priest, a part-time secretary, and uh, a small dog. And and there's a lot of churches I coach now that that's their staffing arrangement. And so they're often looking at their lack of resources, rightfully so, and just saying, well, we can't get there from here. What are your thoughts on that? Well, lots in that. I, I agree with you. That's the observation that we're seeing as well is um, – decline in mainstream churches, uh, the cry for for more resources. Uh, we, we did a project recently with the Catholic Church. We, we, we have a course called Evangelizing the Baptized. Um, and it was it went very well, very successful, real sense of the spirit of God moving through that. And then their question is what's next? What what can you give us? Next. Mm. Uh, I come at, at just a slightly different lens, Ron uh, uh, I hope won't cause people to switch off, but I don't believe that we are under-resourced. I think the problem is we're over-resourced and we are giving people too much. If you're going to model leadership and others, we need to give them less and help them just to be and to figure it out and to go on the journey and model something rather than just give information on one course after another. In Mark chapter 6, when Jesus sent out the 72, he charged them, take nothing on your journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money, no no alpha course, no, no five-week series, no podcast, like that's it. Because the best way to carry the kingdom is actually just having loving, conversational relationship with people. And I am convinced and have been now for almost a decade, the key to grow the church, Catholic church included in this, is small groups. And we don't need small groups that are just one resort af resource after another, after another. Alpha is tremendous, tremendous, and other courses like that. But we can't depend upon other leaders to keep spoon-feeding us resources. Small group, it, listen, it just get the Bible open, love one another, read from the book, pray with one another, and watch it grow. This thing grows, honestly, this is God's idea. Think about it. When God needed to bring humanity back to him, he didn't send us a course. He didn't send us literature. He sent us a son, his son. He sent us a person. And Jesus gave us a master class of just modeling and how you mentor others. You walk with them. You work with them. He sends out the 72, Ron. And the 72 came back, and they are buzzing. Same chapter, Mark chapter 6. They are buzzing, and they're telling Jesus the stories, and they're also tired. And Jesus said, come away with me. Let's have a rest, because they hadn't even had time to eat some food. And when they get to the other side of the shore, the crowds have still gathered. People have run on foot. And Jesus has compassion. There's a key word to write down, compassion. In all four of the Gospels, 
when it tells the story of the feeding of the 5,000. Incidentally, uh, there's only two miracles that are found in all four Gospels, the feeding of the 5,000 and the resurrection of Jesus. I, I think that's some significance in that. But in the feeding of the 5,000, in all four, it says this, Jesus had compassion on the crowd. You see, I think the disciples had a concern. The concern was they have no food, but Jesus had compassion. And there's a big difference in concern and compassion. And Jesus turned around to him and said, you feed them. You give them something to eat. And they go, well, you want us to spend six months wages and feed these people? And Jesus said, what's in your hand? Or what have you got? He didn't resource them. He, he didn't resource them. He said, what have you got in your hand? What have you got? And they gathered up five loaves, little sardine fish. Now, let's, let's just, I think there's a model here in leadership and how we resource others. God will bless you out of what you have, not out of what you don't have. God will always bless out of what you have. In fact, Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, he speaks to the Corinthian church and they're giving. And he says this, um, he said in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter, I think it's verses between 10 and 12, he commends them for what they have done. But he says, finish the work so your eager willingness may be matched by your completion of it. Your eager willingness may be matched by your completion of it. For the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. That's what he says to him. He says, listen, stop looking at what you don't have. You started to give to the poor in Jerusalem. Keep doing it out of what you have. So Jesus in this moment, Mark 6, mm -hmm. says, you give them something to eat. Like there's a bit of comp it's what's missed in the passage, but you just need to step back and read into it. Mm -hmm. The comedy of what, of what that looked like. 12 disciples, 5,000 people, 5,000 men plus women and children. There's 12,000 in front of them. So Jesus gives thanks for the five loaves. Picture them in a little basket at the bottom of the basket. Five loaves, two fish. He gives thanks, and he breaks it, and he gives it to the disciples to give out. Jesus didn't feed the 5,000. Mm -hmm. The disciples fed the 5,000. Can you imagine Thomas looking at the head of a sardine and the crumb of a piece of bread in his hand? And looking at 12,000 people, go, looking at Jesus and going, you're having a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I need more resources. <laughs> I'm willing, but I need more resources. Right. Uh, or Judas. Judas probably just wanted to eat it for himself because he was hungry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. What were they all thinking or feeling? Or Matthew, like if you've seen The Chosen, which is fantastic, you know, I almost picture Matthew as like the rain man trying to counting it up going, I'm going to have to cut that this piece of bread has to be divided into 0 0.0033 for everyone to get apart. And I've got to make 48 cuts of this head of a sardine for everybody to be fed. I mean, there's, there's something going on there. But, but in that moment, somebody, one of those 12, maybe it was Peter. Maybe Peter looks at it and goes, I seen him take my empty net and fill it with fish. If he can take my empty net and fill it with fish, he can take this little bit that's in my hand. This can happen. And I can almost imagine whether it was Peter or, or, or whoever it was, they, they just start to, to give.
and they're looking on to Jesus maybe rather than the crowd. And they keep looking and they, and they keep giving. And this this little piece of fish and bread just it's it's like popping like popcorn in their hands, you know. And and they, it must have been incredible. And at the end, at the end, they pick up 12 baskets of food. At the 12 to 12 disciples, 12 baskets of food. Is Jesus saying something and saying, you take the resource that you have. You give it your very best, and watch what I will give you in return. Mm. You take a crumb from your hand and a piece of bread, and I'll multiply it into a whole basket, pressed down, shaken together, overflowing on your lap. But you take the resource that you have, and I think we've got it in the It's a long answer, Ron. Forgive me, but I think no. we've got a wrong picture in that we're crying for more resources when actually Jesus would say, what's in your hand? Figure it out. Do the little that you can with what's in your hand, and I'll bring the increase. I'll bring the blessing. Mm -hmm. You'll become the resource. Rather than looking for the resource, you become the resource. Man, I could I'm gonna go back and watch this and I'm gonna I'm gonna write seven books just from just from what you just said right now. There's so much in that. And and in the work that I do with leaders, it's very much, it's very much that. And a couple of things I want to pull out. One of them is that they looked at Jesus. They were in communication with Jesus. They were in a relationship with Jesus so they could hear the, uh, the crazy request from Jesus to his apostles. That tells, like, to me, it's like there's intimacy there. Like this leadership thing, the foundation of it is a is a is a a profound deep relationship with Jesus and if we're not praying if we're not reading scripture if we're not discerning then we're not going to hear that when and then we can just come up with our own crazy ideas and they'll probably fall flat on their face yeah. and and so the 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 primacy of relationship and intimacy and hearing the voice of God and <clears throat> Sometimes in the church, we can be professional Christians. It's like, I don't have time to pray. I'm, I'm too busy doing good things. I'm too busy, you know, doing all these things, responding Over to everybody's request. Over-resourced. They don't have to lean on God because they've got all the stuff. They got all the money, all the facilities, all the program that they need. Actually, you know, if the Holy Spirit sat outside the church some Sundays, many of them wouldn't even notice it. Wouldn't even notice it. Yeah, because it's so so programmed, and but being under resourced, then you start to lean in on the relationship, and you become the resource. You become it. Amen. Um, well, and that's the thing that we're teaching leaders is that it's not a course; it's about you. It starts with you, and that 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 again, the relationship, the prayer, the intimacy, the integrity of uh, of your personal devotion to God. Even if you're a priest, even if you're a bishop, like there's so many assumptions that people who are not clergy have of clergy, and they're not always true. And you know, if you're listening, whether how, you know where you're at in terms of making time to listen to to the, to the one who loves you more than anybody else. And, and it's like, if you're too busy to do that, stop doing it because you're doing yeah. the wrong things. And so th it certainly all starts there. But one of the things you talk about too, and, and there's very few people that are listening to this going to say, believe it or not, we've got all kinds of money and and, and <laughs> they, they, they really don't feel that way. Uh, in fact, that's why they don't hire anybody because they don't, but that's okay. Um, one of the things that, that, 
that people are wrestling with. And I think about Alpha. You know, what is Alpha at its heart? It's a small group experience. <laughs> it, it, it's a tool to help, especially in the hands of Catholics. We're not used to small groups. We're used to going to mass and leaving. And they all, I shouldn't say that. We we do do Bible studies and stuff, but they're attended by the same, you know, the same 40 people uh, that just keep ripping through resources. Like, I love that. Like, what's next? It's like, you're next. <laughs> Your usefulness is next. And that's why with, with Alpha, for me, it's helping people. Alpha is a small piece of a bigger puzzle. And, yeah. and, and boy, I'll tell you, if we don't have a plan post-alpha, and for me, it's exactly what you're talking about. People get a small group experience. They fall in love with perfect strangers that are weird, that they don't think in a million years they'd have anything in common with or even enjoy. And all of a sudden, they're like great friends, yeah. and that's a crazy cool surprise. Yeah, they we can't hang out in the same circles, right? And, and, and sure. I mean, from there, where do they go? And so often in the Catholic Church, in the Catholic context, it's not beating up on us as Catholics. Our default is information. It's like, let's catechize the daylights out of them. And I'm thinking, hold on a minute. Let's make them useful. Just like Jesus said to the apostles, go feed people. Like, we come back on the team. Look, experience what it's like to listen, experience what it's like to share hospitality, experience what it's like to learn how to pray for people, experience that. And then from there into connect groups, what are connect groups? Where Alpha alumni go to connect and grow. How? By, but not by programs. You speak. <laughs> you feed them with a the talk. It's like, ah, I don't know how to talk. You're right, but you're going to learn because if you don't, you're going to be useless, right? Totally, totally. I've been in a couple of meetings recently where um, the conversation's been about with leaders asking the question of leaders, who taught you how to read the Bible? Uh, the last meeting I was in that conversation was raised, probably 40, 50 leaders in the room. Uh, who taught you how to read the Bible? Only six hands went up. Most people have not been taught, and, and you should be taught. Um, but what we try to get towards here, Ron, whether it's alpha or whatever it might be, you know, there's an old phrase, I think it's an African proverb or maybe an American Indian proverb, give a man a fish, mm -hmm. he'll eat for a day, teach him how to fish and he'll live forever. Mm -hmm. So what alpha uh, should be doing, and it is there to do this, is that it just doesn't like give you a resource. It's teaching you how to read the Bible, how to have fellowship, how to pray for people. But you you shouldn't be looking at life after Alpha and looking for another resource. You should be at the end of Alpha. You have forged relationships, forged community, and give people permission to just give it a go. When Jesus yeah. sent out the 72, they didn't have a WhatsApp to check in every five minutes to make sure, you know, it wasn't micromanaged. It was right. just going to get on with it. And, and will there be a few mistakes? I've no doubt there was a few mistakes, but what we do know is that they came back reporting that they cast out many demons, they anointed with oil many who were sick, and they were healed. Amen. So so they just became it. They just Amen. became it. And and I've been challenged recently, Ron, around a similar theme. Um, I was actually over, I was in Florida a couple of weeks ago, and I was just in my room getting so ready for it. I. I wish I would have known that. I would have uh <laughs> <laughs> we missed we missed each other, um, and I remember kind of just gently sort of saying to the Lord, "I need to get ready now for for church." And I really felt the Holy Spirit saying to me, "Yeah, that's the problem." And and I, um, what's the problem? You don't want me to get ready for church, and uh, no, I just want you to be ready. You're always having to get ready, but I want you to be ready. In First Peter three fifteen. Uh, 
be, be ready in season and out of season. First Peter, first Timothy chapter two. Preach the word, be prepared, be ready. Mm. And it's just like, I'm not resourced, I'm not ready. Mm. We need to be, the kingdom dynamic is you are the resource and be ready. Always be ready. Always be ready to give a defense for your faith. Always be ready to love somebody. Always. We shouldn't just put it on on a Sunday for a mass or whatever it might be. Right. It's just, the, it's the being and the doing. And if you're being and doing, I, I don't think you're going to have a problem with the resource because well, the yeah. Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not a resource. Let's make that very clear. But he's everything that we need. Amen. Everything Amen. that we need. Oh, and he doesn't flow through. He flows through people. That's the channel. People are the channel. People is the channel for the Great Commission. And people are what the Great Commission is all about. I've heard some pastors recently, like almost unintentionally, substituting the Great Commission for church planting. The Great Commission is not to plant churches. The Great Commission is to carry the kingdom of God and make disciples. One way to do that is to plant churches. But if you put the emphasis on planting churches, you got a problem. Because sooner or later, your emphasis will go down to money and resources. But if the focus is on just being the ecclesia, carrying the kingdom of God and loving people, you'll never be short of resources. Never. Well, you know, I, I had an opportunity to speak to a group of priests uh, not that long ago. And one of the things they said, you know, Jesus is in the life transformation business, not primarily the behavior modification business. That follows. But it's the life transformation business. And I remember one of the priests coming up to me and saying, that's my takeaway. Like I got so busy doing church and all the stuff that goes with it, I forgot why we do it. And it's like, oh my gosh, like it's true. Like when we when we don't keep first things first, boy, we can make an idol out of church. Like we, we can make an idol out of the very things that are, are meant to help us grow closer to Christ and empower us to 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 um. to be temples of the Holy Spirit. For sure, and to I mean, make I, a difference. I I I, t I talk about the danger of the ministry magnet. Mm. The ministry magnet, where you get drawn towards ministry because there's power and preaching and leading and doing podcasts, and your ministry magnet pulls you away from actually just being in the presence of God, mm. praying quiet reflection supplication you know the, the catholic tradition at its very core is master class at that master class it's just quiet contemplative reflection mm. that, that, that that's all there is you, you need brother if you could if you encounter god and you carry that with you i mean let's remember what the ecclesia is that the ecclesia is and in roman times when they established, when the when a garrison went from Rome and went to wherever, say Jerusalem, and they established Rome in Jerusalem, they established it's called the Ecclesia. They take the rule of Rome and they establish it in Jerusalem. As it is in Rome, so shall it be in Jerusalem. So when we establish the kingdom, we're saying as as it is in heaven, so shall it be established here. Mm -hmm. 
for years of my life, you know, growing up, you know, to an Irish Catholic mom, made sure we got to church. That wasn't an option. And, uh, and made sure we received our sacraments and went to Sunday school. And, and, uh, I, you know, my mom was, and, uh, I, my, both my parents are amazing. And my mom certainly was the one who made sure that Jesus was always a priority, even in the midst of the stuff that we didn't have. I remember saying to her one time too, this is, <laughs> I, I complain that we didn't have any money or that I complained that we were poor and, and, you know, I have a single mom and, and, uh, we lived in a small apartment upstairs for my uncle and, and I complained that we were poor because we lived in a very affluent neighborhood and, uh, and boy, she said, don't, I never want to hear those words come out of your mouth again. We are not poor. We are wealthy beyond compare because of the love that Jesus has for us. He gives us everything we need to live an amazing life. I don't ever want to hear those words out of your mouth again. And I never said them again. I never God, forgot that. Good. And what a great good. lesson, eh? And so often with church leaders, we just see the the what we don't have. And we just... That's it. And we look at others and say, but if I only had what they have, but do you know who you are? Do yeah. you know whose you are? And do you know what you're capable of if you just give your fish and loaves to Jesus and start focusing on what he's saying to you? And that's exactly what we do with Catholic yeah. leaders. And it changes everything. It's so yeah. much fun. Yeah, come on. Absolutely. It is so right. much fun when, when you become the resort and you rely on God. It's like, can you imagine how that day played out? 12,000 people fed. I can almost picture the disciples, you know, sitting like little hobbits with their furry feet up with a full basket of food going, I don't know about you. I can't eat no more of this. Laughing to themselves saying, how good was that, that we didn't just like go and spend the money on the food? And then they probably- Because I, I think they had the money. I think they had the money. Right. I don't think this is a story of like, with the way they worded it, the Jesus was, do you want me to, us to spend six months wages? Hmm. Right. They didn't say we didn't have six months wages. They They're saying, no, do you they want didn't. us to spend it? Do you want us to spend it? I don't want to read into the text what's not there, but it is thought thought provoking. I agree. Uh, like, I, and people say, "Yeah, well, you know, if uh, Jesus can't have traveled for three years around Palestine, always with no money, he couldn't have." Judas' job was what to look after right. the money. You, I mean, you don't have a treasurer, you don't have an accountant <laughs> unless you have something, you know. So. Uh, I <laughs> think I, it is. I think it's just like in the moment, whether they had the resource, the finances, they didn't have the finances. The thing was, they looked on to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And, and you know, to kind of sum us up for today, Ron, I think that's the best posture we can all take in leadership is to look on to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, to trust him, to become the resource and to model it to the next generation. Stop feeding everybody with another resource, another resource, another. Teach them how to do it. Set them in small groups. They don't have to be all clinical and neat. And some of the best I had was just someone read from a psalm and, you know, we had some food and talked about that psalm. Some people give illustrations that weren't very good. It didn't matter. They were just... 
they were just sharing what was on their heart. We all learn together. We all learn together, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's the, that's what I see time and time again, you know, just to pick up on the, 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 the hobbits sitting with their hairy, hairy feet up and laughing about the feeding the 5,000. I can just imagine them complaining again when they're taking those 12 baskets full of food going, man, this is heavy as they're going down to their boat. You know, their complaints change from we don't have enough resources to man, this is heavy. And what I see with leaders as they continue to lean in to Jesus, to, to hear his voice, to be dare to be obedient and to move in a direction then they are blessed, but then they still have problems, but the problems change. Like when you're a leader, your problems shift. They don't, they, you know, you replace one problem for two more. They're different problems. They're better problems, but they're still problems. And we're always in a position of, of, of solving problems. And, and I just love your, your, the posture that you're inviting us to is, is just to recognize that, that the source of, Oh, blessing is thank Jesus you. himself. And, uh, you know, thank you for what you're doing. If people want to connect with you, Mitch, in the ministry, if they're thinking, man, he's cool. I love his accent. Uh, I love the way he preaches and breaks open scripture. <laughs> what other things do they do? And they want to just kind of do some research in terms of the, some of the resources and things you're doing. I know you're so active on social. I just love following you and your family uh, in, in terms no, of- No, bless you. Yeah, yeah, well, you can reach out. Yeah. On social media, uh, Mitch Belfast, M-I-T-C-H-B-E-L-F-A-S-T, Mitch Belfast. Uh, on uh, on website, Crime Jesus Ministries. Uh, our website is crime, C-R-O-W-N, J-E-S-U-S, crimejesus.org, O-R-G. So crimejesus.org, Mitch Belfast, if you want to reach, follow on social media. I encourage you guys to do that. Mitch, thanks for being here today. I always find our time together. I find you so Pleasure. inspiring. I love our friendship. Uh, may God bless your family. And thank you for all of you guys that have been listening and, and tuning in today. I invite you to do something for me. Hit the thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube. Please subscribe. That makes a big difference. Comment, ask questions. It feeds the algorithm to get these types of conversations into the ears and into the eyes of so many more people. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for all you do to build the kingdom of God and lead well. God bless you and see you next time. Amen. I want to encourage you as you lead this week, be faithful to God and generous to others. See you next time. And remember, if you're still breathing, you are powerful. Impact.